Good morning. Tell you what, let's have a prayer before we begin, jump in here. Father, Lord, uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to just open your word and uh, come together in, in a setting like this, begin our week with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and Lord, uh, part of what we do is we, uh, we take time to open our hearts, our minds to your truth. And so, Lord, I'm just praying that you would would uh, bless this time and uh, help us to see what you're saying. Uh, all around us, Lord, there are so many messages being uh, sown into our life or trying to be sown into our life. And, and Lord, we want your word to be the thing that we see and hear clear above everything else. And so, Lord, as we take time to do that this morning, uh, we just are praying, Lord, that you would accomplish your will in our life through your word. So bless this time. May your spirit rest upon me as I speak and rest upon each hear as they hear. And Lord, uh, help us to know your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, in this series about truish, um, based on the premise that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, Jesus' truth is what sets us free. Um, Jesus' truth is the big deal that we're pursuing, that we need in our lives, that we need to, to embrace. But this, the age-old story has always been that <clears throat> the enemy of our soul, the devil, Satan, whatever you call him, uh, one of his big MOs has always been to cause us to distort the truth that God is and that he proclaims. In the garden, Genesis chapter 3, a few pages into your Bible, he's already doing this. It's what he does. He tries to take what is good, tries to take uh, our understanding of the goodness and the greatness of God and, and believe something different. That's not changed through the years. And so we just want to take four weeks to kind of look into our culture. What are some of those things that, again, he is trying to distort? And because um, he comes as an angel of light, right? He'll tell you things that have some truth to them, but uh, if you keep continue down that road, you get far away from the truth. Uh, it's like the Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end therein is death. And so it's always, this is this age-old thing, right? And so we're just, once again, visiting um, uh, what might be in our culture today. What are some things that are true-ish? Um, <clears throat> I lost my train of thought there. So, uh, we've looked. <laughs> you can't help me with that, can you? <laughs> so uh, we looked at uh, a phrase, sincerity is enough. Um, you know, that person, they were, they were so sincere. And, that, and that's what you need to be is just sincere. Hey, true statement, sincerity is, is good, right? God requires us, asks us, wants us to be sincere. We like sincere people. But is sincerity enough? When I die and I'm up front somewhere and they're talking about me, is it good enough for them to say that he was just a sincere person? But that's what you, you all run into, right? We made sincerity the thing. You know, sincerity, sincerity is necessary, but it's not sufficient. 
Jesus Christ's work and his grace, his love and mercy is what's sufficient. So my sincerity that God calls for me to have, it's not the end game. It's not the bottom line. It's actually to be placed in what Jesus Christ has done for me. I'm sincere in my faith and trust in the work and grace of Jesus Christ. Big difference. Um, second thing we looked at is God wants me to be happy. Hey, amen. Um, he does. Look around you. Look at the, the glorious world he's created. Um, that He said when he created it, it was good. It declares his glory. Psalm 19, right? It declares the heavens declare the glory of God. It's like, wow, you can't go to the Rocky Mountains or you can't go to different places. And say, wow, what a glorious God of splendor. But you know what it also says that not only was it to reveal his glory, but it was for man, his primary creation to enjoy. God wants you to be happy, absolutely. But what happens is with this statement is we begin to, if we keep this thing going, we think that the whole end goal of God is to make us happy. That's what it is all about. It's all about God making me happy. And we turn this around, we flip it around, and God becomes, you know, our genie, so to speak. And, and guess what happens? When we're not happy, it's God's fault, or God's failed. God wants you to be happy, but more importantly, God wants you to be his. Because in being his, you find blessing, and in blessing is happiness. And in blessing, there is a life that although times aren't always happy and in this world you have trouble and all of us know that not every week goes happy and there's things that right but if I'm his and I'm worried about being his not necessarily about him making me happy then I'm okay right and uh that's a, it's an important thing to to realize um uh, yeah God loves to see my joy but God is more concerned about um, me being his child. And um, you know what? When the culmination of this world happens, um, not, not any of us are going to uh, really worry about being happy, right? Because it's gonna be, we're gonna be in some kind of glorious, glorious existence. So he's more concerned right now about me being his. And, um, and then out of that. So this week, I wanna look at one more thing, or why did I say that? We're going to do two more weeks. We're going to look at one thing today. And that is something that, okay, before I go there, I want to remind you, what you believe determines how you behave, right? That's why we're looking at this. Um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He follows that. Um, belief anywhere, any kind of discipline will tell you this. Any kind of um, absolute, God has oriented us to, to as we think, we believe, we follow that with behavior. Um, <clears throat> and so, that's what we're trying to do, is continue to allow the word of God to inform our belief, to become our belief. Because as we believe his word, his truth, we follow uh, that and we behave in a way that, that follows that. So today, let's look at another one. It's a phrase every one of you have heard. Somebody's looked at you and said this, I'm sure. And I'm sure maybe some of you have said this. You can't judge me. You can't judge me. You ever said that? 
absolutely. If you have brothers and sisters, you've said that, right? At some point, you can't judge me or, you know, absolutely. You can't judge me. Uh, this is one of my <laughs> uh, favorite picks that kind of is my you can't judge me uh, right now. Is this pick. Uh, Chicks be like you left the toilet seat up. I love this picture. Can't judge me. Come on, look at that, right? <clears throat> Don't point fingers. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. I know you do. But Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Do not judge. Right? Do not judge. I am amazed. I've had to, I've had to come to terms with the reality that what they tell me, the experts tell me, is this verse, this phrase, is the most quoted phrase in all the Bible now. When I was growing up, or it used to be John 3.16, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm like, wow, that is the Bible in a verse. That shows exactly what I need to know about God, know about myself. Yes, God so loved the world. Now in our culture today, the most used verse is this one. This is our understanding of God now, or what the Bible says, you do not judge. You can't judge me. Or I could say this, you shall not size me up and write me off. You shall not size me up and write me off. <clears throat> Don't judge me really is code for this. You would agree. You can't criticize, compare, or confront me. That's what people mean, right? When they say you can't judge me. That's what you meant when you said it. You can't, can't criticize me or you can't compare me to that or you can't confront me about that. You can't do that. Remember, Matthew chapter seven, verse one, do not judge. You can't judge me. It just feeds into our whole like tolerance culture, right? The tolerance culture that we all live in, or we call it PC, politically correct culture, um, where none of this can happen. Criticizing, confronting, um, comparing type deal. It's, it's uh, you know, we're just, it's tolerant. We're tolerant. What's amazing to me, have you ever thought about this, is that the tolerance group are the most intolerant people about people who are not tolerant. You ever notice that? They say that everything should be tolerant except for those people who aren't tolerant. It's kind of the same way with the judging crowd. You can't judge me, but the one judgment I'm gonna make is you can't judge me. Yeah, it doesn't, anyway. I digress. And I would say, you know, there are reasons why we judge. I absolutely had to look at people, unbelievers, who have said things like, Christians are so judgmental. And I have not looked at them and said, you're crazy. You know what I've done? I've said, yeah, you're probably, you're right. You've met some. You've met some of us. <laughs> yeah, we, we've kind of, we've struggled with that probably here's the reasons why I, I, I would say the two primary reasons one um, one reason why we judge is we're jealous 
We judge because we're jealous. Um, that's why I judged in the past. Absolutely. You know, the 10th commandment is do not covet. It's that whole area of jealousy, of coveting, of envy. It's a big one. I've, I've, the guys that are a lot smarter than me, they'll say, I'll tell you what, the most broken commandment in all of scripture is the 10th commandment. Do not covet, do not envy. It comes to us so natural. Right? Paul talked about it in his own life. He said, man, I've had it all nailed down. I was following, except for this coveting thing. I couldn't help it. I just did it. And the more I tried to stop, the greater it got. And so often the reason why we judge people is because we're jealous. And so we just, you know, we have to judge them to make ourselves feel better or make them look not as good. Or we're jealous who they are, what they have, blah, blah, blah. Or second, we're self-righteous. You can't read much in the Gospels, the story of Jesus, and realize this is a huge issue. I mean, Jesus' blood boils greatest, and I, I said this in first service, I was thinking out loud, or his blood pressure rose the most, and I thought, did Jesus have high blood pressure? <laughs> I don't know, I don't think so, I, I don't know. But you, his blood definitely boiled, right? I don't know what that is, but I like to say that. He was mad obviously, at people who were self-righteous, correct? And self-righteous, one of the exhibit A of self-righteousness is judging. Because that's how, you, that's, how you, that's how you make your place. That's religion, man. It's a comparison game. If I'm better than you, then I'm okay. If I'm better than this, I'm okay. It just self-righteous and judging just goes all together. And that's why sometimes we do that. But you know what, if we're gonna look at this, I'm interested to know, he says do not judge. Well, that's quoted all the time, that's what everybody. How many people uh, are, realize that the scripture also says things like John chapter seven, verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Those are red letters in your Bible, that's Jesus Christ talking to you and me. He wants us to judge something, right? Uh, Paul, big issue in the Corinthian church. Um, got a mess going on. Somebody's really acting out in a way that's awful. First Corinthians chapter five. This is what Paul says. He says in the context of this, he says, well, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? That's an important statement. The scriptures make it clear that our business is not to judge people who are outside the faith, okay? He said, well, it's not my business. God, verse 13, God will judge them, okay? That's why it's so important as believers. You and I don't get up in the face of an unbeliever and judge them or, you know, really, because what are you doing? But he says this rhetorical question. Are you not to judge those inside? He's saying, yeah, there's some judgment happening inside. It's real quiet in here. I knew it would be. <laughs> Just talk about something like this and everybody listens for a while, you know. Or Matthew chapter seven, same 20 verses later from Matthew seven, one. Well, about 7.15 is when he starts talking about false teachers. And in the context of that, he uses words like good trees produce good fruit, Bad trees produce bad fruit. 
And he says, thus, by their fruit, you're gonna recognize them. You're gonna make a judgment call that that's not good or that's not bad. The scriptures are full of the idea, it assumes and it says that we make judgment calls, but you're looking at me saying, duh, I have to make judgment calls every day, every week, every year. Yeah. Jesus is not saying that we should never pass any sort of judgment. Every day we make hundreds of judgments about things around us. I mean, come on, it's not wrong to, our whole system is based on, I mean, think about our legal system. And what I, would, what I wanna share with you quickly, because I wanna move to something better, is what Christ means when he says do not judge is this idea, because of the context, chapter six of Matthew, five, probably two also, when he says do not judge, is that we are to refrain from hypercritical condemning judgment. Got that? hypercritical, condemning judgment. <clears throat> Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrases this phrase, do not judge, this way. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. John Stott, um, great scholar, says that the harsh, that the, this judgment that Jesus is talking about because of the context and because of what he's getting ready to say in a minute is it's a, it's a judgment, it's a harshness of one who is a fault finder, a blamer, one who puts the worst possible construction upon an act, one who condemns sternly. What I would say is Jesus is exactly talking about this kind of judgment here. You see, there's judgment is used in different ways because of different contexts, even in our life. And here, I would say that, that judging is happening in the scriptures in basically two ways. It's happening in one, condemnation. Judgment is happening in condemnation. Or two, it happens in evaluation. And Jesus specifically here is said, listen, you are not to be one who judges someone in a condemning way. Well, why would that be? Well, obvious. I don't have the authority to be their judge. I can't judge someone really in a condemning way. What does the scripture say? Who is he that condemns? Only God can condemn so the minute I start to condemn someone and say, you know what, uh, I'm judging you, I'm condemning you for this, I have crossed a line into some position that I'm not qualified for. Only God himself can condemn. That's why it's, uh, that's why it's so important, even stuff like, I'm gonna throw something out there, I've been thinking about this, from a different, you know, you've been taught you're not supposed to say certain words or, you know, but like when, when, when the world uses the phrase, like God D-A-M-U, D-A-M-N-U. You hear that every day, right? Really, that phrase, beyond just, you're not supposed to say that, take the Lord's name in vain. Really what you're doing is you're assuming authority that is not yours. You're taking on saying God should, 
That's not your place to say that. Or, you know, go to, I'm just spelling words because I'm afraid of saying it on camera, I guess. Because <laughs> somewhere, somewhere will grab it and I'll be, you know, they'll really not have the end of me, you know. They'll have fun with that. But go, you know, just go to H-E-L-L. In those, in those phrases, I know people use them just rashly, but there's something serious about taking on some kind. You think you have the authority to do something that only God can do. Only God can send somebody to hell. And only God can damn someone. Right? That's why these phrases mean they're important. Because we move into a place that we not, we're not ever meant to be. So I don't stand in judge, condemning judgment of somebody because it's not my place. And two, the scriptures teach that so often we look on the outside and God looks on the inside. We can begin to make judgments on people, condemning judgments on people based on misunderstandings, right? Oh, wow, I better stay away from that. But I wanna jump into this because guess what? The most quoted verse in all the Bible is really just a beginning of the discussion of five verses, six verses on this. We take it, rip it out. You know, somebody made a chapter and a verse out of that. You know, there wasn't chapters and verses when this was written. Paul didn't say, okay, now chapter seven. He's just writing a letter, man. 300, 400 years ago, somebody decided, you know, let's split this up for different reasons. So when you take uh, Matthew 7, 1, uh, this was what Paul wrote, and he sat back and thought, wow, that's Matthew 7, 1. Oh, he's writing. He's not writing Matthew 7, 1. We grab it and use it, right? You can't judge me. Do not judge. It's not very, you know, <laughs> not very imposing when I say that. But. but what is really being said here in these five, I'm going to look at five. There's actually six verses. Now, when we come to Scripture, there's three things that we always are remembering when we come to Scripture, right? When I open the Word, I begin to, I'm thinking three things. I'm thinking, one, context. I'm thinking context, context, context. What's, what's going on in this portion of Scripture? What's happening before? What's happening after? What is going on? Who's Jesus talking to? Who's somebody talking to? Context, 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 Right? All of us understand that. When we read what's going on, I gotta get a frame of reference here for what's being said. Two is I'm gonna always interpret scripture with scripture. There's really no scripture that's in a vacuum. But see, our world has taken this scripture and made it a vacuum, right? Most people would say that's what the Bible says about judging. Don't do it. I just read three verses that say do it, and that's just, I just grabbed three, Right? So we don't, I interpret scripture with scripture. It always helps me understand what's being said. That's why I throw scripture up on the screen a lot. Maybe some of you are like, okay, another verse? Because I'm trying to share something with you that's not my opinion. I'm trying to say, hey, listen, guys, I'm not standing up here just say, I think these are some good ideas. And No, I really am intent about sharing the word of God with you because that's the big deal. That's what will change your life, not me. We've already figured that out, right? 
right? It's just a word. It's just sharing the word, interpret scripture. And the third thing is I'm always thinking, what, what is to be applied in my life? Uh, the scripture is a living, breathing word that is meant for you and me. It's not some just historical book. We read a bunch of facts. Um, there's a reason for it being there. Even the stories are given. Remember what Romans says? They're given for our, our benefit. All scripture is given for its uh, correction, reproof, instruction, and all those things as Timothy says. And so I'm looking and thinking, okay, Lord, what do you want, what do you want to do? What do you want to show me in my life from this story or from this word? Um, it's like James chapter one. James is very intent on saying, listen, be, a, be not just a hearer of the word, but be a doer also of the word. Because if you just hear it and you don't do it, you deceive yourself. You think that information is enough. Information is not enough. Application is what God's wanting to do in my life. That's what James is saying. And that's why like some people are like, I wanna do a Bible study. I wanna learn more about God. And I'm like, that's great, but you realize that every time we interact with the Bible, we should be prepared to be changed because that's what God really wants to do. It's good, it's good, it's not bad. I know we don't like change, but it's good. We all, I've never regretted anything God's changed in my life, never. In fact, I am so much better because of it that I actually look forward to now his word, although sometimes it is a little painful when he shows me something about myself, right? But I realize if this changes, I'll be better. I'll be a better person, I'll be a better husband, I'll be a better father, I love more like God, right? So as we come to this, we're thinking in this way. So what is being said here in Matthew chapter seven? Well, he begins this way. Do not judge, we all know that. And he says this, or you too will be judged. I don't know why we don't use this more often or people that use the whole judging thing. This is even better. You get a little pack to your punch. Don't judge, or you're gonna be judged, right? Yeah, I think we should use this more if we're gonna use this first, you know? Say it with me. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. If you're gonna use this verse on somebody, go ahead and use the whole verse. You just sound better. You just sound more like, hey, you're gonna do that to me? You can't do that, and if you do, you're gonna be judged. And he goes on and says, listen, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Jesus is really making a point that this thing of condemning judgment is a serious thing. I mean, it's serious. In fact, he's saying, listen, if you're gonna judge people, I'm gonna judge you in the same way. If you're really, really hard on somebody, what's he saying? I'm gonna be really, really hard on you. So it's really kind of telling us, hey, I'm reading this thinking, wow, I need to be careful here with, my, with judging, right? That's the point he's initially making. <clears throat> you know, if you're gonna ask me, how do I want to be judged? Well, I would really tell you, um, <clears throat> I don't want to be, I want to be judged not. <laughs> if 
You're going to ask me if this whole thing is you judge, you get, you get judged according to your judging, and I'm saying judge a lot, right? So if you're going to ask me, first of all, how do you want to be judged? I'm going to say, well, I'll take the judge not. But if you're going to judge me, then I want you to judge me mercifully, Right? You're going to judge me. I want you to judge me based on my story, my life, my background, my experiences, why I do this or why I think that because of everything that's went on. Please judge me mercifully based on seeing everything about me. Does it stop there then? Because most people think it stops there. Okay, don't judge because, man, you just shouldn't do it because you're going to be judged that way and And you know what? I don't want to be judged, so I'm not going to judge anybody because I want to be judged not. But you know what? This continues because Jesus says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Now, I would notice something here. The way Jesus is using this is Jesus is actually allowing us to make a judgment. There's a speck. There's something wrong in my brother's eye. I'm making a judgment call here. (gasps) There's a speck, something's wrong, okay? So, I'm, obviously, the evaluation is going on. I see it. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And so we, we're like, okay. Um, well, Jesus, if you're gonna ask me why, well, it's more fun to look at the speck in somebody else's eye. Why, it's, I don't really, it's more fun to look at other people's problems in my own, right? Why did you ask that, Jesus? Why? Well, that's why, you know? But, again, this is where Jesus is going to begin to clarify what it means to do not judge. He goes on and says, listen, how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. Right? And this is why condemning judgment goes out the window. It goes out the window. Because how dare you point out something in their life when you have something going on in your life. In fact, the definition of hypocrite in this context is this. Is someone more fascinated with something wrong with someone else than themselves? When you're more fascinated with something else wrong with somebody else, you're a hypocrite, right? Is what Jesus said. And that's why verse one makes sense. Don't judge. <clears throat> and so if I stop there, though, there I'm thinking, okay, so I'm getting it, Lord. You're showing me. I shouldn't judge. One, because, you know, this whole, you'll be judged at the same measure. Two, oh, Lord, you're teaching me that I'm not perfect. I need to mind my own business. I need to fix my own deal, right? I need to clean up my own junk. So, Lord, I get this. You don't want me to judge because you want me to to mind my own business. That sounds good so far, right? I think... Okay, I could get that. If Jesus would have stopped there, I'd have been okay. I get it. 
And in fact, he says, you hypocrite, first, so Jesus starts a list here. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I see what you're saying. I shouldn't judge because I should realize I need to fix me. And in fact, by seeing the speck in somebody else's eye, seeing their junk, it causes me to look and reflect on the fact that I'm not perfect either and I need to focus on me, right? That sounds right, good. Sounds like what he's saying so far. And I like this little, uh, you know, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly. Um, You know the, (laughs) this week... I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Well, now you got a new phrase. I can see clearly now the plank is gone. See? You can think that way, right? Now you're going to sing that song the rest of the day and hate me. And so whatever I talked about, you're just going to hate me. You're going to ignore whatever I said. So, okay, God, you don't want me to judge because it's not my place and... You want me to focus on me and you want me to take the plank out of my eye. I get it, God. Mind my own business. But you know what? Jesus doesn't stop there, does he? He says this. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I thought everybody said, don't judge. Mind your own business. That's what we got going on everywhere. You do your thing, I'll do mine. Jesus never intended for that to be our understanding. Because as he's talking about don't judge, he finishes with what? Fix you so that you can help them. This is what this is. You see, this is the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is ushering in a new kingdom, a new covenant. It's what he's gonna talk about over and over. And in fact, right before he goes to the cross, John, he's gonna share a new command I give to you. Love one another. My kingdom is built on the love of my disciples for one another. My love in you and your love around with each other. And this fits completely with what he is all about. It's about not being condemning toward people, but having that broken attitude that Lord fix me so that then I can also help someone else. Amen? This is the five verses of do not judge. Most most people would be like, that's the only thing I knew about judging in the Bible. Listen, I would say it this way. Love moves me to fix me and to help you. That's what's being said here. Remove the plank in your eye in preparation to help move the speck in someone else's eye. And that's what we believe in, right? A community of believers that look out for one another. That, that are there for one another, that are each other's keeper. This isn't about don't judge me and we all run off to our own things and you can't talk to me and I can't talk to you and you can't judge me. No, Jesus is clear. You don't have the right to judge. 
You're not in a position to be the, the judge. But listen, you are evaluating things all the time. And in fact, what I really want to communicate to you is have a broken and a contrite spirit. That Lord, help me to fix me and then help me to help someone else. Amen? Amen. This is what this is about. Um, going back to the, the reasons why we judge, this is why it's so important for us to allow the Lord to stop jealousy and self-righteousness in our life. Because the judging that caused the most harm is the, the judging that's done out of jealousy and self-righteousness. That's why you and I don't, well, I, I hate that stuff. And Sometimes Christians are so judgmental. It's because they've operated out of this kind of deal. And when they do that, it is really ugly. But when we're broken and we're, we're owning our own stuff, but yet we love someone, our brother, who you can see it, they are headed off the tracks, man. They are about ready to crash and burn. The loving thing for you to do is not say, well, I can't judge them. It's to say, listen, man, I just want you to see this. Do you know this in your life? Do you see what's coming? Do you know what the word says about this? I would say this. Hold on my iPad. Love forbids me from sizing you up and writing you off. Love forbids me from that. That's self-righteous. I'm gonna size you up and write you off. But love also forbids me from sizing you up and walking away. And each one of us, I'm telling you, need loving, godly people who are broken and humble and contrite, who are not superior in attitude, who are not critical, but are willing to, if I'm starting to go off the rails, to say, hey man, I love you, dude. Do you know what this is, this is about ready to happen in your life? That's what this whole thing is. Wow, that's a whole lot different than you can't judge me. Let's pray. Father, this is stuff that you just continue to need to grow on and understanding, Lord, but your word, man, it's so powerful. And so, so often we've, we've made truish things out of your word. And all around us, we have people who, who won't really get into community because they won't judge and you can't judge and blah, blah, blah. And, and Lord, it's obvious. No one is in a place to, to be someone's judge. But Lord, we are making evaluations. You call us to evaluate and make a judgment call about right and wrong, good and bad, fair and unfair. And Lord, in fact, in this place, you actually share that you want us to fix us and look out for another. Lord, we've all met those people in our lives that have modeled this and how we love them. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a grandparent, Maybe it was a good friend, someone that you knew loved, that we knew loved, loved us enough to not allow us to make bad decisions or at least to say, hey, do you see it? I love you, please. And that's the context of what this is, creating a community where we look out for one another. 
Lord, you have got to chase jealousy and self-righteousness out of our life or this will not work and it'll be ugly and people will get hurt. But Lord, you do call us to this. So Lord, my prayer for myself is you remove the plank from my eye and then help me to find someone who has a speck that you want me to help remove that. So they're better, we're better, and we're a community. We pray all these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.